So if you want to get happier or live longer, forget the pills, forget the supplements, forget the gimmicks, go out and make a handful of really good friends who are healthy and will have that healthy influence on you. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Welcome to episode number 285 of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success, with your host, Matt Labrie. We have a lot in store for you today, so I'm grateful to be a part of the place where you are showing up for you. On that note, sharing kudos and flowers as you show up to do the work and you picked a great place to do said work. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into a bit of a three-part episode per se. Those three parts include longevity, meaning how long we live, happiness, which we all know what that is, and lastly, a big chunk of what this show is about success. More specifically, we're going to be diving into where those three areas, longevity, happiness, and success, where those three areas collide. And when they collide, what do you find at that intersection? Very interesting reply from our guest who I'm introducing in just a few moments. To that point, we're going to be diving into how to live a longer, healthier, and happier life. We're going to be diving into the science of why living out our purpose is so damn important, but also helping you identify what that purpose is through a tactical exercise, and so much more. Joining us and providing us with his knowledge, his wisdom, his experiences, his research, and everything in between, our friend Dan Butner, an explorer, National Geographic fellow, award-winning journalist, and producer, and New York Times bestselling author. He discovered the five places in the world dubbed as Blue Zones, where people live the longest, healthiest lives. That's exactly why we're diving into longevity, happiness, and success. As always, you know I have to urge you, to share this episode, share this podcast. We're ranked in the top 1% in the world because of each and every one of you that share these episodes. This show is growing and growing and growing, and we are making more of an impact because of each and every one of you. Now, there's a reason you are tapped in with us right now. There's a reason you didn't choose to watch Netflix. There's a reason you didn't choose another podcast. You chose this one. So when that light bulb goes off for you, when you feel like Dan's message is pulling on your heartstrings or he's providing you with a new perspective, that is your cue. That becomes your cue to share this episode with those in your life. And if you share it on social, make sure you tag us, whether that be on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, so that I can show you my love and my appreciation for what you're doing to help make an impact. Now, without further ado, we bring to you episode 285 of the Decoding Success podcast with our friend, Dan Butner. Dan, welcome to Decoding Success. Excited to dive in with you today. A lot of questions for you. Let's get right into it. But first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. Matt, it's a delight to be here. How are you? What's going on in the life of Dan right now? You know, I've been trying to be better. We're almost 300 episodes into this. I said to myself at a certain point, you know what? I think it's important to start asking the guests how they are as opposed to just like diving down their throat with all of these hard hitting questions. So I'm curious, how are you? Oddly enough, I could not be better. I can't exactly figure out why, but I maybe it's just all the beans I'm eating, but something's working. Uh, believe it or not, I'm over 30, and I feel like I'm 20. Well, that's a good thing. Well, what contributes to that? 
first of all, I, I am kind of a uh, militant about sleeping eight hours a night. You know, I, very difficult to get me to do anything if I don't get eight hours. Number two, I think eating a whole food plant-based diet, very little meat, if any, don't have to. You know, I've, I've written cover stories for National Geographic on both longevity and happiness. And the, the one place where those two pursuits converge is really investing heavily in a small group of friends who care about you on a bad day and who you enjoy hanging out with. And, um, you know, rather than spending your money on supplements or superfoods or expensive diet plans, you're way better off finding a handful of healthy friends whose idea of recreation is, you know, playing pickleball or running or biking and who care about you on a bad day and with whom you can have a meaningful conversation. And, you know, it's not a bad idea to have a few friends who eat plant-based, so it's easier for you to do so. And, you know, I think that's that's about, I think that, that explains probably 80% of my happiness right now. I love that. Are you on the pickleball train? I've been on the pickleball train for six years. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I'm a fanatic. I love that. I have a, one of my best friends. He's actually out east in New York and he's been on the train for like, I want to say the entire year. He's been loving it. And I actually just went for a run on the boardwalk here in New York yesterday and they have a pickleball court. And every time I run on this boardwalk, there are people there and they are getting after it. it it's like this new thing that's emerging. I, I mean, you've been on it. You've been spearheading the initiative, but that's a beautiful thing. I do want to circle back to one thing you said and this really piques my interest tremendously. You said the intersection of happiness and longevity is having a tight-knit group of friends. Is that correct? Am I understanding that correct? Yeah, but tight-knit, you know, Okinawans call it a moai, but it's a group of friends to whom you commit and they commit to you. And um, they're friends who, you know, I... I first observed this in writing the first Blue Zones book. In Okinawa, when you're about five years old, your parents will introduce you to a half a dozen other kids. And there's a ceremony and you travel through life with those people. And the origin of it was financial security. You all kind of, every time you met, you pitched in money. Then that money was used in case of an emergency of one of the of the members. But it also kind of forced them to regularly meet. They naturally had a, a support network. They also just a regular social outlet. I sat around with 502-year-olds two nights in a row who got together every, almost every day of their life. They drank sake, they gossiped, they argued about who that hot guy liked best back in 1941. But they, you know, you could really see they had affection for each other. And, and you know, when you get old, people tend to splinter off or solidify into their own immediate relationships and keeping those social connections strong. It's about the best thing you can do for both longevity and happiness. Being lonely shaves eight years off your life expectancy. The happiest people in the world are socializing six to seven hours a day. I know that from worldwide survey data. So if you want to get happier or live longer, forget the pills, forget the supplements, forget the gimmicks, go out and make a handful of really good friends who are healthy and will have that healthy influence on you. That will work. When we say socializing for six to seven hours a day, let's talk about new age socializing. Like, are we talking face to face in person? Are we talking on social media? What's the case there? Four years ago, I would have been adamant about face to face. But like everybody else, I went through a pandemic and got on Zoom. And, you know, I think as long as there is a real kind of emotional connection between people 
I mean, like you and I were face to face, right? I can see you. I can see your facial expressions. Okay, it wouldn't be as good if you know you and I could be in the same room hanging out. But I think it's the second best thing. But I don't think it extends to you know my hundred and eighty four thousand followers on Instagram. I love them all, but you know it's not the same kind of thing. So I think that the currency is a person with whom you can have a meaningful conversation. So I could tell you, you know, I had a really shitty day and um, here's why. And I could unpack that and you'd care. That's kind of the litmus test of a quality relationship. I love that. No, that's important because I mean, I love relationships. I credit a lot of my success to relationships and professional, personal, everything in between. But you know, there are times where you're at a distance and you can't get to people, especially I'm, I'm in my 30s now. All of my friends are getting married. I don't get to see them as often as, as I previously did. I think that's definitely had a little bit of an impact on my own personal happiness. But furthermore, you know, staying connected with them digitally. I'm grateful for that. You know, I think that's important. So I appreciate you expanding there. I do want to touch on blue zones. You mentioned it. And if it's possible to just give us, you know, the first grade or second grade example of what a blue zone is for those that might not know. Yeah, I actually have a book coming out called The Blue Zone Secrets of Long Life, which is the culmination of 20 years of research. It began with a National Institutes on Aging grant to identify parts of the world where people live statistically longest. We worked with demographers to do that. Only about 20% of how long you live is dictated by your genes. The other 80% is something else. So to identify that something else, we identified five places. It took us two and a half years where people are either reaching age 100 at the highest rate, or they have the lowest rate of middle age mortality. So they're the lowest chance of dying in any given year after age 50. And then we went about finding the common denominators. And Blue Zones is both a geographic designation, but it's also kind of an approach to health and longevity. And over the years, I've written four New York Times bestsellers and it's soon to be a series on Netflix that really unpacks this idea. If you want to make it to 100, why not follow the practices and the features of people who've actually achieved the outcomes we want rather than looking for it in a test tube or a petri dish or with some genetic code which seems to be de rigueur these days absolutely i'm curious this is a random question about blue zones is and maybe this is just a rumor is it true they got their name because of a blue sharpie sort of uh, this was gianni pass who uh, identified the Sardinian Blue Zone, and uh, he was looking for centenarians. He's a Sardinian himself. He's looking for centenarians on the island of Sardinia. And when he found one who had lived in the past century, he made a blue check mark. And in, in this cluster in the Nuoro and Oliastra provinces of Sardinia, there were so many blue check marks that it just appeared on a map as a blue blob. And he referred to it as the Blue Zone. And that's a name that, with his permission, I extended to these other four areas where people are living statistically longest. I love that. So in regards to the characteristics or the trends in these blue zone areas, what are the top that we can start to apply to our life right now? Well, unlike keto or paleo, they're eating uh, mostly carbohydrates, about 65%. That's interesting. But they're complex carbohydrates. Carbohydrates is probably the worst word in the, in the uh, nutrition dictionary because both lentil beans and jelly beans are carbohydrates. And the lentil beans, I would argue the healthiest thing you put in your mouth 
and jelly beans are the most toxic thing you can put in your mouth legally. And um, they're both carbohydrates. So when I say 65% carbohydrates, I mean complex carbohydrates such as whole grains, greens, tubers, sweet potatoes, nuts, and then uh, they're all consuming about a cup of beans a day, which uh, is probably conveying about four years of extra life expectancy. And it could for you as well over not eating beans at all. I love that. I guess this is you know something that comes up for me when I hear this. I live in New York City. The quality of the food that I get here in New York City, while it's damn good, you can go to you know Michelin star restaurants. At the same time, we understand from like an agricultural perspective, like what's taking place with mass production of food here, and there are ways to source healthier options. I'm curious, from a blue zone perspective, are they running into any issues like that from an agricultural perspective? Yes, I mean the um, all blue zones are disappearing because of basically the American way of eating, and they're importing the same bad habits that pervade our lives. You know, until about the year 2000, when I started this work, they were eating a mostly traditional diet. But now, you know, lamentably, I look in the Koya Peninsula of Costa Rica, and there's a Burger King and McDonald's and KFC, and you see chips and sodas, you, you know, they're importing the same genetically modified grain flowers that we use because they're cheap. They're on the same distribution chains that we're on or the rest of the world. And and as they start adopting a standard American diet, their diabetes rates are skyrocketing, their heart disease rates are skyrocketing, their obesity rates skyrocketing, at the same time their life expectancy is dropping. And I figure all blue zones will probably be obliterated within a half a generation. Yeah. You beat me to my next question. I was going to ask you if blue zones could be disrupted. And I was more so, yeah, I was going to go with the angle as if I went to a blue zone and I just lived my life the way that I currently live it. Like how much of an impact would one person have or does it need to be, it sounds like it needs to be more than just one person. Well, if you went to a blue zone, the central insight, 20 years of work, if you want to live longer, at least at the current rate of science, don't try to change your behavior because you'll fail change your surroundings. So if you move to a blue zones, first of all, it's way easier to get around walking than it is driving. So you're going to mindlessly get more physical activity. Every time you step out of your house, you're going to run into people and you're going to have spontaneous conversations. For So we started our talk today, our interview, discussing the benefits of social interaction. It's going to come naturally. You don't have to you know, schedule coffee with your friend on Outlook. You're going to bump into your friends at the cafe on the way to the grocery store or on the way to the market every day. The cheapest, most accessible, and most delicious foods are whole food plant-based. You know, Once in a while, there'll be, you know, we'll slaughter a goat for a birthday or a wedding or something or a party, but their everyday traditional foods were very simple peasant foods made to taste delicious over time. So these things will, you don't think about it. You know, you could be a digital nomad, but it's living in one of these blue zones is going to have a positive unconscious impact on the way you move through life. And uh, that's what matters because when it comes to longevity, there's no short-term fix. There's no, there's nothing you can do this week or this month or even this year at age 30 
That's going to add to your life expectancy. Things that add to your life are things that you're going to do for decades or the rest of your life. And living in an environment that unconsciously nudges you into better behaviors, that's what works. Not, you know, New Year's resolution. I'm finally going to get on that diet and stick to it. Or, you know, I'm joining the gym and I'm going to go every day, damn it. But people never do. But yet we buy into the same sort of hope over and over again. Random, but this is coming up for me. You talk about changing our environment. I'm curious if it would be more effective for someone like myself who lives in New York City to partake in the top characteristics of those that have been in blue zones and from what you've seen in your research, would it be more effective for me to do that and start implementing it today? Or this is a like a very random example, or buy a chunk of land and like create my own town where I have a hundred people that are doing this. What would be more effective? Kind of leaning towards the group and doing it. Well, New York City is not a bad place to, I think, live a blue zone lifestyle because you have access to really healthy foods. You guys tend to walk everywhere. And probably the best thing you can do to I create your own blue zone in New York City is to carefully curate a group of four or five people who, I wouldn't necessarily say dump your old friends, but you know, if your two or three best friends are, you know, are plant-based. And when you go out with them, they're going to be dragging you to someplace with good, delicious plant-based options. And, you know, if your best friends are, you know, like to bike through Central Park, you know, they're going to drag you along. These are unconscious, not only unconscious, but long-term influences. Friends tend to be long-term adventures. That's why I advocate that over, you know, joining CrossFit or Weight Watchers or something like that, which, you know, sell help, hope, but rarely work in the long run. Your idea of taking buying a piece of land, it's not a bad idea, but it's a heavy lift. And, um, you know, recruiting 99 other people to come with you might be difficult. Tall task. Well, we also know, for example, when people in Okinawa, they were for a long time the longest of people in the world. When they moved to Brazil and started eating beef, started living a Brazilian lifestyle, which involved more drinking and less physical activity, their life expectancy dropped by 15 years. You look at America, there's areas in Kentucky where the life expectancy is 20 years less than it is in Boulder, Colorado. Now you start saying, well, are people from Kentucky, are they lesser Americans? Do, do they not have willpower? Are they dumb? No, they're the same Americans that live in Boulder. But when you live in Boulder, you're going to live in a place where it's easier to bike cross town than it is to drive. And restaurants you're going to bump into are serving more wholesome, whole food, plant-based options than the jungle of fast food restaurants in this area of Kentucky. And it's, you have easy access to nature. So, you know, the big blue zone message here is if you want to live longer or be happier, don't try to change your behavior, change your surroundings. I love that. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? I haven't really thought about that. Uh, You're asking good questions. Maybe all the questions that Matt asked me. Those are the questions I thought more people would have. No, I always, I always throw that in there because to cover my own butt, you know, to make sure that I'm asking the questions that, that are impactful, you know? So I throw that in there just for the sake of it, just to see if there's any. Okay. So, you know, for the benefit of people listening or watching whatever right now, you're not going to remember an hour worth of me yammering on, but a few things that you can do, I think that are going to have the biggest impact that you're living longer and feeling better. And the first thing is, trying to move towards a whole food plant-based diet. It's worth about six years of life expectancy. So how do you do that? The way to do it, people ask me, what's the best longevity food out there? And I could say fermented tofu or bitter melon, incredibly healthy foods. 
But if you don't like them, you're not going to eat them and you're not going to eat them for long enough to make a difference. So the way to do it is to get your hands on a whole food plant-based cookbook. This is going to sound simplistic, but it's not. Sit down if you live alone or sit down with your partner or your family. Identify a dozen recipes in that book and then commit to cooking them. And it could be a month of Sundays, whatever. Commit to actually cooking them. This is going to force you to get the necessary equipment. It might be an Instapot, you know, might be air fryer, whatever. It might be, a, you know, just a quality one pot that you put on the stove. And, um, and the act of cooking them, you now know you can do it. And then tasting those dozen recipes to identify, you know, a handful that you love. Once you identify a handful you love, my job is old because you're going to gravitate that. You're going to find that, wow, this actually tastes better than the crap I get in restaurants. And I feel better. And everybody who starts cooking whole food plant-based to a person will tell you they feel better after they've eaten low sodium, low sugar, low fat, low animal product foods. So um, that's number one. Number two, we've talked about it a lot, curate that immediate social circle. And number three, take the time to identify or do the internal inventory to think about what are my values. I actually say, start with a blank screen and list your values. Mm. I, uh, I care about animals or I want to be fit or I put my family first, whatever it is, or, you know, I love God. Get them down on a piece of paper. Second column, what do I love to do? A hundred million dollars in the bank, what would I do anyway? Because I love to do it. Third column, what do I do best? What are my skills? What are my gifts? So you have three columns and then look at those. And then the fourth column, write down what are my outlets? And for a minority of Americans, that's going to be your job. It's about 30% according to Gallup. Actually, we have a chance to do what we do best at work. So that's going to leave most people listening right now with the realization that if they want to put their purpose to work or put their gifts to work, that means either volunteering or finding another outlet for it. We know that people who know their sense of purpose and live it, live about eight years longer than people who are rudderless in life. And a lot of Americans out there are rudderless or they're working their tail off to pay for their health insurance, you know, or put food on their family's table. Not to say you can't do, you have to do that, but uh, to find some time every day to really use your gifts to do what you do best. Far better evidence, far more effective than resveratrol, testosterone, metformin, all this other hocus pocus that these anti-aging Silicon Valley gurus try to market to us. You know, it's sexy, but it don't work. Yeah. So for someone listening to this that might not know what their purpose is, or maybe they're just caught up in the matrix, right? I mean, it happens. What's your advice to them to break free and to understand that that change is possible for them as well? Well, the aforementioned exercise, do that. I mean, that you can't, I mean, nobody knows it. You have to know what it is before you can follow it. So yeah, what I just described a minute ago was what we do in our, you know, my daytime job, I work with cities and to lower the obesity rate of cities and Blue Zones has about 150 employees. And one of the things we do in the cities we work is we give people purpose workshop where I take an hour, but it's essentially what I just said. Yeah, I love that. No, I love it, Dan. I appreciate it. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions because I'm going to get you out of here. This question is something that was asked to me by uh, a gentleman named Dr. Michael Gervais, a truly incredible guy, and I've been asking it ever since. You've obviously given us a ton already, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. If I knew what Dan knows, 
how would my life be different? You would be far more immature than you are right now. I think adulthood is overrated. <laughs> no, I don't mind that. I think, so What are, are you saying that you would tap into your inner child more? Well, I just take things less seriously than I think most people do. And uh, I don't know, I like to joke around and I don't take serious people seriously. <laughs> but well, uh, why is that? It's an artifice, you know, life should be fun, be a good person, but enjoy it. And um, some of that is a choice. A lot of it's like I said, who you surround yourself from. I would eat beans every day. I know that from the longest of people, it's it'll make you feel better in the long run. And, you know, for a long time, Matt, I worked hard. You know, I wrote all these books and I said three world records for biking across five continents. And at a certain point, I realized in doing the Blue Zone work is, God, I should have more fun. And, you know, it's very hard to get me to work after 4 p.m. I never work after weekends. I'm just as successful. Probably, actually, I'm way more successful than I was when I was working my tail off. So, and you look at people in the blue zones, they're not hell bent on getting ahead. They're not pursuing this fairy tale of financial freedom. They're not running on the status tread wheel. They wake up in the morning knowing their purpose. They get breakfast together. They put in a few hours. They come home with, eat lunch with their family. They take a nap, work a little longer. And then, you know, at the end of the day, they're having a glass of wine or two with their buddies down at the at the cafe. And yeah, they I mean, all these things that humans have enjoyed throughout our existence that we've kind of paved over with this sort of artificial pursuit of happiness or pursuit of success is largely wrong-minded. So how would you define success? Good question. I have a good answer for that. There's Scientists measure happiness two main ways. One is called life satisfaction. They ask you, Matt, and I'll ask you, actually ask this question of you. If you think of your life as a whole throughout time, on a scale of one to 10, how satisfied are you with your life? An honest answer, I would probably say like a 6.7. Okay, that's low. That, so success would be getting it up to about an 8.5 or 9. People say 10, they're usually diluted. But American average is about 8, a little less. But the happiest place in the world, the average is about 8.6, 8.7. So that'd be one. The second metric is over a time series, recording how often you feel laughter, joy, worry, and stress. So that's called positive and negative affect happiness. So that's, and that measures your moment to moment, day-to-day happiness. The life satisfaction question asks you to remember your life as a whole. So you want to experience your life well and you want to evaluate it high. And then the third metric of success, the capacity of your body, my body, everybody listening right now, your body should go about 95 years at the present state of of science, if you avoid the diseases that foreshort your life, almost all of which are avoidable, and you have an average body, you should make it into your mid-90s. Not 100. You know, 100 people make it to 100. They're outliers. But so success is living a moment-to-moment joy, being satisfied with your life, and getting the capacity, you know, that we're all given this wonderful machine, taking care of it so that it carries us for 90, 95 years or so. That's success. I love that. I know I need to get you out of here, Dan. Let's talk about the book super quickly. You said a new book's on its way, correct? Yes. A new book is out in August, end of August, called Blue Zone Secret to Long Life. And um, I've been working for National Geographic for 20 years, some of the best photographers. And this book is meant to be the complete Blue Zones book. 
over 300 National Geographic photographs of longevity. We visit all the blue zones. I announce a six blue zone. I can't tell you what it is right now, but you'll see it in the book. And then it, after it talks about these blue zones briefly, it gives people kind of a manual to take the wisdom that these people offer us and put it to work in our lives. And I'm very proud of it. It's a big, beautiful book. Great as a gift, gift of life, you know, available, delivers August 24th. Awesome. We're going to make sure that we have that in the show notes. And I'm also going to let everyone know, tuned into this, that Dan's socials, websites, all of that good stuff will also be in the show notes. But one last question for you, Dan, more of a legacy question. And you, you might have already answered and I think I know which way you're going to take this. But if you last or you live to whatever year you want to live to, right? Maybe it's 100, maybe it's in the 90s, whatever it may be. Continue to do your work. You continue to you know, not take things seriously and all of the stuff that you want to do in life. But you could only be remembered for one piece of advice. Like this piece of advice is etched into the tombstone. What is that advice? Don't try to change your behavior, change your surroundings. I love that. You had mentioned that earlier. I'm going to be walking away with that. It sounds so trite and simple, but you know, we spend $4.2 trillion a year on healthcare. We keep beating this dead horse of individual responsibility. It's your responsibility to eat healthy. It's your responsibility to get physical activity, but yet fewer than 20% of Americans are eating healthy or getting enough physical activity. So we've tried that now for 80 years. Now it's time to set up our food environment and set up our physical environment so people unconsciously move more, eat better, and socialize more. And we know it works because in five blue zones around the world, those people don't have better discipline. They don't have better presence of mind. They don't have better diet programs. They just live their lives with an average set of genes and they make it to 95. Here in America, life expectancy has been dropping for the last three years. And by the way, the rest of the world has recuperated after the pandemic. We haven't because we have a toxic food system. We increasingly rely on our automobiles to get from point A to point B. We increasingly implode into our devices. It's the wrong way. The right way is optimizing our surroundings so that the human spirit and the human being can thrive. I love it. Dan, I could keep you all day. I just wanted to say thank you so much for the opportunity. Very grateful for this. Excited to amplify it. But thank you so much for joining us. Matt, it was a desire. And um, I hope to see you on the streets of New York sometime. Let's do it. You have just tapped into episode 285 of the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend Dan Butner. As mentioned in this episode, we were diving into three parts, longevity, happiness, and success. If you are still rocking with us right here, right now, Hearing my voice, it's safe to assume you found this to be of value. So once again, reminding you, urging you, asking you to share the good word with those in your life, whether it be on social media, make sure you tag us if you do so there, whether it be via word of mouth, whether it be in your emails, your text messages, wherever, however, we urge you to share this episode. As always, you can find Dan's socials, websites, books, projects, all of that good stuff in the show notes of this episode. If you're connecting with Dan on social, make sure you let him know you heard him here on Decoding Success, or even one better, head over to my Instagram page and drop a comment on our latest video where Dan and I are chopping it up. If you are new to the show, I want to put this out there. Even if you're a returning member of our incredible community of listeners, I want to put you on and let you know that for the last five years, we have dropped an episode weekly. You can catch new episodes every single Wednesday. We don't miss a beat. We bring the fire each and every week, and we thank you for showing up today for you. Thank you for helping us grow our community by sharing these episodes. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.